Soy Power Podcast is a free podcast made possible by the support of our awesome Patreon sponsors. Head to toypowerpodcast.com and see how you can help. Welcome to Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. G'day, it's Trent here, and it is so wonderful to have your company for episode 345. This week on the show, we have a very special guest, and we're going to talk everything cool. I mean, it's planet-sized cool. We are (laughs) just going to dive into all the geeky stuff that you know and love. Uh, in the studio here in Australia, we've got Frank. Hello, hello. We've got Scotty. Hello there. We've got Ben. G'day, g'day. And he is the buzz off to our Stratos, <laughs> Rob McCallum, <laughs> traveling the world. Where are you, Rob, broadcasting from on this very early morning for you? Hello! Skegan, <laughs> Michigan at this point after traveling to Indiana and Kentucky and uh, Kalamazoo <laughs> after leaving my hometown of London, Ontario. So I've been on the road and I am excited. And gentlemen, look, I understand your attorney sent me some paperwork last time I was on. <laughs> you politely requested an exile that I do not use any more sarcasm that could be misconstrued <laughs> as trying to take over your show. <laughs> and somehow I managed to comply with the terms of your document and stay off Toy Power Podcast for a whole calendar year Oof. until which I've been invited back at your request. So here I am. Thank you. I complied with my half. I'm glad you complied with your half of that legal back and forth. Anyways, it's exciting to be here. It's 6.36 a.m. I'm ready to go. Are you? We are raring to go. We're raring to talk some some toys, but broad pop culture. But the buzz-off reference, you have been a busy man, my friend. I mean, you are churning out content and television like there's no tomorrow. I want to hear a little bit about you're in the eye of the storm because you've got so many projects going on. Faking Filmation, we're wrapping on Planet Cool Stuff, which I really want to talk about. Mr. Dress Up, five years in preparation and hard work to get that, and that has been a critical success. Tell us tell us where you're at. Give us a snapshot of what it's like a day in the life of with, with <laughs> everything you've got going on. Well, right now, you're absolutely right. It's the eye of the storm. And in the eye of the storm of like any hurricane, you're kind of floating, and you just see everything swirling around you. And you're like, well, I got to take a step in one direction to kind of cut through it and get to the other side. And whether it's working on Planet Cool stuff, continuing to work on faking filmation, uh, you know, putting the finishing touches or, you know, starting N64 Quest, the sequel to Nintendo Quest. Woo! It's like every direction <laughs> I go, it's all getting whirled together. And uh, I don't, it's, it's overwhelming, but it's so fun when you're dealing with video games and comics and toys and you know, just general nostalgia, but not just saying, hey, here's rose-colored memories. This stuff's important. Here's why it's important today and right now specifically. So, yeah, I mean, Mr. Dress Up was a huge project, like you said, five years of work. And in that time, we created 20 episodes of Action Figure Adventure, 20 episodes of TV Jay and Rob Toy Show, uh, 13 episodes of Planet Cool Stuff Season 1, plus working on Faking Filmation. 
Uh, and now we've shot a third of N64 Quest, and uh, now we're starting to produce Planet Cool Stuff Season 2. So when you stop and look back at it, you know, it's just, it's crazy how what you what you actually realize that you do sometimes. And uh, it, it's best not to stop and think. Just keep going <laughs> just, forward. Because yeah, yeah. you get overwhelmed with that side of it as well. Yeah, nice. no, fantastic. Right, look, I want to talk about Planet Cool Stuff Season 1 because this, I, I was saying to you off air, Rob, if I ever pitched a show and, and and I've dealt with some you know pretty senior executives here in Australia and, and sort of had ideas bubbling away. <coughs> Lego Masters. <laughs> planet, 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 cool, planet Cool Stuff is what I would pitch. This is the show I would want to do. You know, it, it is you know, obviously action figure adventure focused around collecting action figures. Nintendo Quest and now, you know, getting into the next version of that video games, planet cool stuff. There's no boundaries. It's everything. It's movies, it's video games, it's toys, it's showcasing people's collections, comics. it's comics. Yep. It's all the stuff we love and want to talk about. And it is done in such a beautiful way. Mm. Like the, the, the attention to the detail, you know, the way you address the issues and reflect on the issues very nostalgic, but also very mature. You know, it's 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 a real serious look at these topics and these issues that are so dear to us. And and just to take a, a segment that I absolutely loved was your review of Dick Tracy, the, particularly the Warren Beatty film, the 1990 Warren Beatty film. And it's obviously very close to my heart, very close to your heart. And as you went, I'm like, oh, this is going to be done through rose-colored glasses it's going to say it's the best film ever but it wasn't that it was very measured it was a, a, a very excellent critique and, and i agreed wholeheartedly with the way you analyzed it so beautiful congratulations firstly on on the show um 13 13 episodes in total so it's it's a it's a good decent run what what was the genesis of this idea was it is it just that there's just so much cool stuff we can't limit it to toys, to video, we just got to put everything into the one show. Yeah, I mean, it really is that. I mean, thanks so much. I'm, I'm glad it hit home because my fear was that it was going to be too diverse for any specific audience and they would only be interested in one of the four segments that we would have in any given episode. And they'd want to tune out if you were just a movie person. You know, I don't want to watch toys, comics, or games and vice versa but the reaction has kind of been what you like they a lot of people really like the jumping around and the cross-pollination of it so it's it's been very nice to see because it was kind of a bit of a flyer the broadcaster in canada super channel took a bit of a risk on it because it is a little bit outside uh what you'd normally see is a very focused thing and it kind of just started with i don't want to spend a year to two years just talking about one thing anymore it's like mm we've been trained by the YouTube algorithm and all these other online social things to just talk about one thing to build an audience and like stick with that one thing. And, you know, even if you're like super, super niche, um, but that's good because then you'll be the only destination for that. And the broader you go, the more kind of diluted your audience will be. And I just, I hate thinking about the kind of, you know, end audience like that. I just want to talk about all the things that I love. And yeah, I focused on video games in the past and toys in the past, but why can't I, find something that talks about all the things I love and in, in some sort of, you know, measured recipe. And what I truly love about Planet Cool Stuff is that there is no specific format or look to any given segment. It could be anything. Mm. 
which is so freeing as a creator. You know, I basically got to come up with a six to eight minute segment on any given topic, but I can present it in any kind of structure that the story lends itself to. As long as it's digestible and the audience can understand what's going on, there's there's no rules outside of that. It's kind of like we're going to get dropped into this part of, you know, pop culture and then we're going to go over here. Uh, it's so freeing, guys, to be able to kind of just talk about the things you love without those boundaries. Yeah, definitely. I love the fact that you've gone into people's collections and, and you know, showcased them, but in a very punchy way. Uh, recently, I um, obtained the uh, Transformers art book, which uh, has all the uh, art and things. And there, one of your um, uh, collectors has not only the uh, original art for Hound, but Omega Supreme. And I'm like, this is where the art from my book came from. <laughs> these these sort of diehard collectors yeah. that have, you know, uh, forked out the money or, you know, got to know that guy and built friendships and things and sourced this sort of things. And it's just fantastic you know, to know where these, that there's real people, real fans out there that have these sort of things and it's not just in a vault at Hasbro locked mm-hmm. away for no one else to see. So absolutely, fan. It very, I felt it very grounded as well. So loved it. Oh, thank you. And, mm. you know, some of the footage I've been sitting on, like that toy room tour with Walt, the Transformer collector, yeah. I've had in the can for a while. Same with some other things because we weren't sure if we are going to do a Jay and Rob TV show you know, toy podcast season three, we weren't sure if action figure adventure season three would go forward and we would just feature collectors in between the segments. Nothing ever felt right. And I didn't want to pitch that until something kind of coalesced. And this is like, let's do this. Let's not just do toys. And let's not just kind of say, Hey, look at my dollies. Let's kind of look at the Genesis and the people behind it. Cause any segment could be, look at what I got here, but it's got to go a little bit deeper. When you look at somebody like Walt who takes a dedication beyond obsession and transforms it, no pun intended, into a passion, then, <laughs> oh, it, then sure. it becomes something that really, really sticks. Yeah. And I'm glad you really like the Dick Tracy segment because that stuff made me super nervous, Trent. I'm As much as I appear on camera and I'm there with Jay and our other adventures and stuff, it's not a role that I relish taking. It's not something that I want to do. And to do those kind of video essays where I'm front and center, it's pretty nerve wracking. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can wrap a, a point around and, and kind of give an idea on pretty much anything, but to sit there and kind of be the quote unquote talent is um, it's, it's a whole new thing for me. And I thought, oh, I don't know if people are going to want to sit and hear my opinion, especially on something like Dick Tracy. So <laughs> I'm glad it, uh, it resonated with you. Yeah. Now it's wonderful. Um, and the, the Batmania. Yes. Uh, I yeah. mean, and, and what blew my mind is so there's a, an episode on, Batmania, Darren would talk about Batmania. I mean, he lived it. I mean, I was nine. I saw Batman in the cinema. I probably didn't appreciate it to its full extent. Yep. Darren, you know, lived it as probably yeah. a 13, 14-year-old yep. going through it. But you you posed, and so we knew. I mean, Star Wars was a sort of marketing juggernaut, but Batmania packaged it all up, as you, as you said, and sort of launched the, the formula, the modern formula. Mm. And then you're like, has Batmania kind of ever stopped? And I'm like, it, it, yeah. it probably hasn't, right? Yeah, like, it's still it, going. Was, yeah, it was a really <laughs> great moment to kind of break it down in that way, and then kind of, you know, by the numbers, here are the numbers, and this is what it what it means, and um, really great analysis, but packaged up really, really neatly. And in fact, I was at a barbecue just before I came here, and and the guys they're like, oh, you know, what are you doing tonight? You're doing the podcast. And I said, yeah, we got a um, a film uh, director and producer coming on to chat. And I was watching his stuff today, and and 
And I was so I was relaying the Batmania story, and I'm like, you know, this guy bought the rights in '70 like dirt cheap, and then like he's the executive producer all the way through, and and they were just gripped. Like this is just me sort of relaying the Planet Cool stuff. So I think that that re- th- these are stories that people resonate with. They're part of the fabric of the pop culture, and people just are drawn drawn to hearing them. Yeah. So you've you've really, I love your analysis. I think you do a great job as a talent. Don't sell yourself short. And and the way you present it is really digestible for the audience, and 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 for a fan like me, really entertaining. Mm. Well, thanks. That was the very first segment that I had written, and it took like three days to come up with that five minute kind of analysis. And and I kept circ- I had to come back and like what what am I actually saying? What am I actually saying? And, and until I got to that question of has it ever ended. You know, that, that took a while, while to get there. So I'm glad that it's digestible and uh, that all this stuff was resonating with you guys because I worry with something that's only six minutes that I don't get deep enough to have any kind of real gravitas, that it doesn't really stick. It's all fluff and, you know, hollow calories. So I'm glad that there's enough in there that you're able to kind of chew it around and, and spit it back at your folks. Mm. Now, I also, you know, it's definitely not all fluff because your analysis on the Mario and the games and the sales points and things, you know, by the numbers, how many times has Mario appeared through the ages and things, I thought that was really interesting. And the fact that you pitched Mario Party with Mario Kart and obviously Mario as his standalone game, I thought that was a really cool, diverse thing to have. I would have loved to seen Super Smash in there, but I suppose Super Smash has only got about four games as opposed to Mario Party with you know going up to what yeah, 11 or something I, and but. i thought about i thought about super smash or like mario tennis or yeah. the other kind of mario yep. sports games and smash brothers just felt like too much of an all-star thing so Fair it wasn't enough. directly yep. mario yep. uh and the, and the sports games are just so kind of hodgepodge it wasn't like a true franchise you'd get a couple tennises you get a couple golfs At the but they're so sporadic yeah. it wasn't like an entry of like mario party where you have what 12 entries or something like yeah. that or mario kart which is like a mainstay so yeah it didn't seem to fit the formula and i'll be honest i mean a lot of these segment ideas come from like when i can't sleep at 2 a.m and i'm just <laughs> going down the the research rabbit hole you know what it's like to go on youtube and go oh, wonder about this or i wonder about that it's like i hope other people wonder about this stuff because <laughs> yeah. here's what i found out no fantastic keep up the great work man uh very very excited to see what uh, happens in season two so Cool, thanks. And very good. Now, tell us a little bit about Super Nintendo Quest. This is probably the f- the fan demand. So this is for- 64. Yeah, sorry, I meant I meant I know uh, yeah, Nintendo 64 Quest. Don't <laughs> do don't do Super Nintendo okay. Quest. We, we, we know that that's coming our way. We're prepared to answer that hard question. <laughs> tell us t- can you tell us or give us a little bit of a sneak peek into how that's shaping up? Yeah, it's actually coming along quite well. I mean, uh, from a format point of view, if you've seen Action Figure Adventure, uh, I imagine video games are, are put in, in lieu of toys, in, in that case, uh, the N64 titles. But it's also a little bit different the way we've strung out the journey and how many uh, days Jay gets. You know, Action Figure Adventure, there's really no ticking clock. But mm-hmm. with Nintendo Quest, there was always a ticking clock. You've only got so much time to kind of do this. So. Uh, for Nintendo Quest, Jay had 30 days to collect 678 titles with no online purchases of the original NES collection. And in this, there's 296 titles. So given that there's less than half of that, he only has 14 days. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. 
true. Yeah. Do it. Uh, for Nintendo Quest, Jay was doing it in pursuit of his own personal dream to be quite the shelfer, to get all the cards <laughs> and put them on the shelf. But, uh, you know, when you don't have a dream or when you have a dream and you achieve it, sometimes you realize maybe you're not dreaming big enough. And so, like Action Figure Adventure, N64 Quest is in support of Alzheimer's. So all the carts that we get, as well as all their trinkets and things along the way, are going to get uh, raffled off in support of Alzheimer's. Jay uh, lost his mom to Alzheimer's. Uh, my grandfather's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And what better way to kind of celebrate and remember the past than you know, trying to preserve our memories of it with that. And the mechanism that we're doing this time, instead of doing an eBay auction, because nobody's going to want to pay the top dollar for Brett Favre's quarterback, Ninth Club 98, <laughs> you're essentially, as cool of a game as that is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're basically going to sell single tickets, and you're going to get the luck of the draw, so you can pay $25. Ooh, okay. wow. You know, you could get Conker's Bad Fur Day, which is a $200 game, or you know, sculptor's cut if Jay can find it, which is the the big baddie there of, yeah. of the the system, uh, the holy grail, if you will. Or you could get that FIFA, or you could just get a signed postcard from from Jay and I. So we're going to sell <laughs> as many of those raffle tickets as possible, so that you get something. Right. But ultimately, it's going to support and further the cause. Uh, and it's fun, right? Because we're playing a game in real life. Jay has a limited time. He has a very specific quest and focus, and we don't know what's going to happen in any of these shops or along the way. And having shot five days of it, he's made some mistakes. There's been some really interesting, mind-blowing discoveries. And it's all that interesting history and lore and the titles that come along the way. And the personalities, right? Every shop, like mm. the toy stuff, is different in the video game world. We have people that want to display and set up their stores quite differently from, like, the flea market scrounge, hodgepodge look <laughs> to here's my professional, like, Toys R Us replica from the <laughs> 80s where wow. everything is you know, pristine. The only thing missing is grabbing a ticket and taking it to the front. Yeah, wow. Well, um, yeah. And it's it's always a lot of fun just to hit the road and push Jay's buttons and watch him sweat <laughs> even when I shouldn't because, you know, hey, if we're recording everything, then maybe, again, like Planet Cool stuff, if I think it's fun, then maybe somebody else will think it's fun to watch him sweat. I, I, and, I need yeah, that look, in my life, Rob. I need to see Jay sweating. I mean, it's just... It's got to be you done. Know, it's got to be done. A lot of us that really enjoy him squirming. It just seems too easy sometimes for him. So we got to poke him with a stick, throw a rock at him every now and then. Brilliant, brilliant. So, and now, you had asked the question, you know, why 64 inadvertently when you called it Super Nintendo Quest? Because, you know, if you're going to do a sequel to NES, why wouldn't it be the follow up console, right? That makes hmm. sense. Well, there's a number of reasons. One, we feel that the Super Nintendo is a great system, of course, but there wasn't really that much more of an innovation to the NES. It's kind of just like an updated, like a better graphical representation. They're just trying to take what they did well and do it as good as they can. You know, how mm. can we really push the, the envelope there? And other than, of course, the, the Genesis battle with SNES, which has been documented ad nauseum, there just wasn't enough for us. Mm. But the 64 represented a dramatic departure in how we played video games uh, by virtue of the four controller ports on the front, yep. if anything else, right? We were gaming together. That system was designed to bring everybody in, not just kind of pass the controller around during sleepovers in the basement and summer nights. We were going to do this, and we were and we were kind of probably teenagers at that point in high school. If we grew up on the NES, by the time the 64 came around, you know, we were going to have our, our buddies and our friends over, and we we're going to kind of shoulder-to-shoulder gaming, and so many of us remember that. What we also discovered with Nintendo Quest was, Collecting the games was fun, but it was about building and discovering a community that was out there yeah. that we had no idea about. 
And the 64 is a console that is all about community mm. and bringing these new people in and bringing everybody together. 64 is 10 years after NES, more or less. N64 Quest is almost 10 years after Nintendo Quest. It just started to line up and become more of an interesting discussion than uh, doing just the obvious sequel. Mm. I love it. Great, great calls. Love it. That is wonderful. And, and I love, I love if we learnt anything, I think, out of Action Figure Adventure Season 2, it was the power of community, the power of, you know, Big Bad Toy Store getting behind it and that massive shipment that was, was for the cause, right? And, you know, Justice mm-hmm. Curry and Pixel Dan getting together and helping to move that out and just the, the, the energy and, and the support from the community. And I think there's sort of that moment that you, you realise or, or Jay realises that, okay, the way to make the most money is by community support. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and, and, I, and I love that because this, you know, the way you're selling the ticket, I think you're going to find there's a lot of support. People that want to get behind it, happy to get the ticket because they know it's for a good cause. And, and I think that's a, a really, really novel way to, to go about it. So that is, that is excellent. Can't wait to, to see how that all pans out. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Hey, now I did want to touch on some some toy status. We we often do a, a little um, segment, State of the Nation, mm. right, where we just sort of take stock of where we are as collectors, and uh, what how we're we feeling with what companies are putting out, price points, imports, all that stuff. Where are you at in this day and age, two thousand twenty four? We have absolute saturation out there. You know the products that. Once upon a time, you know, He-Man getting getting any sort of Masters of the Universe release, we were clamoring for. We are now so saturated, and and we've got so much to choose from. Where where are you? Where's 2024, Rob? Thinking in terms of a toy collector, and, and what's what's doing it for you, and what's what's not. Right now, I'm really being fueled by the bargains that I can find seemingly everywhere. There is just a glut of toys. Like you said, there's mass saturation, and the retailers aren't moving it anytime soon. Mm. You guys saw a Big Bad Toy Store had that Super 7 liquidation event you know, yeah. prior to Christmas. And that's been going on uh, in, in Canada for a little bit, where we've seen a lot of Mattel product and McFarland products move to the dollar store. If you guys watch like my YouTube channel and every now and then I'll throw a reel up on Facebook, I just go dollar store toy hunting and I'll get an Origins Deluxe figure for $5.80 because it just sits on the pegs everywhere else. Now, there's a lot of the same ones, but I mean, there's been Hurricane Hordak, Clamp Champ, Ram Man, you know, they're they're all there. I got introduced to the the figures from the He-Man CG show which are really fun to play with because there were $5 at the dollar store. The McFarlane Princess Bride figures were there. So there's a little bit of an easy hunt now because I can target dollar stores. And I mean, there's McFarlane figures that are coming there. Mm. Those Hasbro retro figures are, that are almost kind of the Secret Wars ones, the three and three quarters, yep. which were, you know, $25, $30 Canadian are there for $5. And they have tons of them, Thor, Phoenix, uh, you know, a Green Goblin, Spider-Man, mm. Amazing yeah. Fantasy Spider-Man. It's like, wow. So the dollar store is kind of like the new toy store because but you're right. There's so much out there and you can click and buy whatever you want, but there's not enough of a differentiator. Like everything is good. So it's not about trying to find a good product. Everything is so good, but everything is so expensive and space is always finite as is money. So 
if I'm going to pick something up, it's going to be something on the cheap that I think is cool. And uh, it's been fun to kind of do the dollar to- dollar store toy hunting stuff. That doesn't mean that I'm not looking at other stuff and shooting Planet Cool Stuff season two has taken me a few toy stores. I filmed with Justice Curry a couple of days ago and he went on a bit of a toy hunt and I somehow walked away with rather <laughs> poorly damaged but packaged Zor uh, from the Vintage Masters wow. and uh, an on-card Doctor Doom toy biz that's really mint. But, you know, it's, it's, it's few and far between that I get excited about a new release because the, lot, the thing I've learned the most from the 8 to 12 months is that it will go on sale, even if it's only 10 or 20%. Mm. Like you saw with the Madball stuff, right? Like it's going to, yeah, yeah. there's going to be a discount, whether we love it or not. There's, there's no rush to do this stuff anymore. Yeah, that, that whole fear of missing out and yeah. pre-ordering, I, I've been turned off that. And like, you know, I know we, we in on our um, Patreon page, we had sort of with that Super 7 sale you mentioned from Big Bad Toy Store, one of the comments was sort of like, you know, way to kill any future pre-order Super mm. 7. Like, now that we know, I mean, now that the genie's out of the bottle, that this stuff that happens, we're in an economic climate where the, the luxury items are probably the first things to go yep, if people absolutely. are under economic pressure. And and it's sort of that mindset of now like, well, hang on. I was I was scared I was going to miss out on all this. But what I'm actually missing out in is the bargains if yep. I yeah, if I pre-order. Yeah. So that really does shift, shift the buyer sentiment mm. uh, you know the the pre-orders drop off people wait for these bargains and that that really can potentially impact the the manufacturers and and you know how they put these products to market and i think they've been living in this this sort of fear of missing out mm. bubble where they've been able to call the shots they've been able to dictate you know a year out yep. we want you know full X money up front yep and, and and customers are just sort of becoming wise to that. So it's a really interesting trend, and we're seeing that sort of play out in real time. It was Super 7 stuff in Canada. The new price, because, of course, things jumped up at you know the beginning of the year, the new price for a Super 7 Ultimate figure is like $86 Canadian, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is about $60 American, more or less, right? Mm-hmm. That's not a cheap figure. And so when you have a sale that puts it on for you know $25 Canadian, yeah, I'm going to spend a couple hundred dollars and fill in my TMNT Ultimate section for the stuff that I passed. And so now I've already built a bunch of Mausers and I've got a bunch of, you know, nice. undercover rafts and, and all that. But, you know, I, I got more excited about that than kind of trying to dismantle the panic of missing out on, on stuff. Yep. It was almost like a reverse thing. I don't want to operate as a toy collector or as a fan in fear of being separated from the thing I love, which has been the case so often between Hasbro Paul subscriptions. You better be a member or you're not going to get your dollies. Yep. It's just like, you know, <laughs> I'm okay. Why can't I just love the thing? Why do you got to keep putting like a, a wall in order Pressure. for me to jump over to show yeah. you that I'm a real fan? Yeah. Oh, I'm not surprised so many people have gone back to vintage and, and kind of source it, even though some of the vintage stuff seems to be dried out. I think the, the pandemic, everybody bought a lot of vintage and they're still hanging on to it. Mm-hmm. So the market on this side is, is pretty dry. We, we start venturing out of town. Like, I don't know if you guys saw what I posted the other day when I was at a store in Kentucky. I posted a superpowers carded figure and a secret wars carded figure. It was cyborg carded. Yes. yes. So yes, yes. It was going for a thousand dollars and a constrictor unpunched for a thousand dollars as well. Cool. Now, what you didn't see in the picture is that they also had Electro and Iceman carded as well. 
Wow. So I have been after those European Secret yeah. Wars figures for a decade. And I and I set the bar high. I said, you know what? I'm not going to buy it loose. But if I see yeah. it, if I ever see one carded, I'll buy it. Yeah. And then there I am staring at oh. three carded figures. <laughs> I'm just like, this is just cruel. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so yeah. I won't. I, I won't say if I if I, if I bought anything because my wife might listen. To <laughs> She'll have to look at my toy stash, where, uh, where where I put things where I hope she doesn't discover them. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. Mm. All right. Very good. Now, yeah. what we wanted to do mm. because Masters of the Universe is a very very big thing of all our collective childhoods and and adult collecting circles. We have part two. What is it called, Frank? Revolution? Revolver? Revel? Rebel without a cause? Uh, revolutions. Yes? Revolutions. Yes. There you go. Yeah. We're revolving. <laughs> Are we? Look around this room. Does this look like evolution to you? It's a round. Evolution. Earth. No, revolution. Are there flat earthers in the room or do we have a round? <laughs> earth in the room? Rob, revolution as in, you know, do the rising up. <laughs> Rising up. That's a revolt, take... isn't it? It's a revolt. No, it's, a, it's a revolution, isn't it? <laughs> uh, are we going Revolu- round or revolting? Is it revolution the term when change has actually yeah. been, been happened? Yeah, that's right. Revolu- it's not a revolution until it actually change sticks. Uh, there you go. Do the Otherwise, revolution. it's just an uprising. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. There you go. So maybe... maybe. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm making it up as I go here, guys. It's 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah. In any event, Kevin Smith has put together season two of his more adult style of show and you know it's really interesting because originally when season one came out it was sort of semi-paired with the kid what we call sort of the kids cg he-man the master universe Mm. show that came out and we were often sort of saying well you know if anything is put out by mattel media wise it's not really going to be for us it's going to be for the kids it's all about building the next generation interestingly revelation and revolution i think kind of is for us oh, it's, as it's, the fans. it's made by Kevin Smith who yeah. is closer to our age than he is the, the target audience of the whatever it was the, the 2000 what are they calling that new show? the Netflix era show yeah the so, Netflix show yeah so this so interestingly we're getting a show that is quite mature in its themes um, I think it comes up with an M rating you know high injury mm. detail or something or other <laughs> but what what I think what what I found Supreme I'm not, battle action yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> what I found really interesting was I think in kind of season one split into two parts Kevin sort of went away and did you know his version okay we're gonna we're gonna kill off He Man and we're gonna you know put Teela in charge and we're gonna go down this path this this second season felt very much like he was borrowing from a lot of the modern law that had been established through predominantly the comic books, mm-hmm. through you know the way that they've moved that story forward. And he was drawing in elements, I think, quite a few of those elements from the comic books, not to mention a scene that we get at the end, a bit of a, a, a sizzle reel for what might a season three look like and a yeah. certain character in there that was created in the modern DC comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we want to spoil that or not. Well, let, let's just say moving forward, if you haven't seen Revolutions, then uh, <laughs> stop listening because we're going to spoil the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah I'd say that's a, a safe bet. <laughs> so with all that and all the, the fan service that's in there, how did this hit for everyone? How did we find the show? Now, I know, Ben, you're doing a lot of late nights. <laughs> so falling asleep 
twice at yep. the same point. Yep. Not good. It may not be yep. indicative of the quality of the show and maybe more about your work no, it's, schedule. It's, it's my personal life that's uh, yeah. hurting. But like, I, I love the fact that uh, five episodes and very digestible at that yep. half an hour thing. I, I tried twice to binge watch all the way through. That was very difficult for my um, body to... Uh, cope with but uh I, I thought it was fantastic five yeah. episodes very yep. bingeable uh very um uh fast-paced moving yeah uh love the fact that the horde came into it and hordak was so demonic mm. right and even though i would have loved to seen a whole episode of his horde characters uh Grizzlaw, mantena leech they owned their five seconds of fame on the screen they mm. they were like nightmarish material mm. when they were on screen Absolutely love that. Um, love Green Goddess coming through, like, yeah. and she's not just oh now I'm green. It's <laughs> like she's got this invisible tail. Yeah. She's got teeth. Fangs. Uh, yeah. She's like you know her scepter changed and things. It, she was fantastic. I really really love that um, aspect of her trying to you know make more you know trying to change the powers and things like that. You know only thing. Um, Granamir, like who would yeah. have expected who on their so bucket good. list? I, had, I didn't have him down. Had, had <laughs> Granamir on their uh, cards to appear in the cartoon series again. Absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, yeah they're probably my biggest call outs of the show. Um, let's yeah go around the room. Someone mm. else. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what they did really well is listen to a lot of the feedback from season one. There was a lot of people very upset, rightly or wrongly. Yeah, it depends on on where you sit, but. I think Kevin Smith's gone. All right, I did. I did what he considered, um, you know, a, a great storyline in in season one, and then he's gone. All right, season two, let's fan service the hell out of this thing. And and there's stuff where you get your, you know, uh, Fisto and Clam Champ, who yeah. were sort of famously killed off in that that season one, and that that annoyed a lot of people on the internet, as as most things do. And then they got their their time to shine in in this one. You know, uh, you got Keldor being introduced, of course, which is a very famous sort yep, of yep. you know piece of the law yep. now. That fully um, tricked me as well. Like that, I was you like, thought oh, he was good. He, no, no, Come I thought on, he, it's I Keldor. Thought, <laughs> I thought there was. I thought <laughs> I thought they were introducing a different Keldor. Yeah, so to, did to I. Skeletor. Yeah. So I thought Skeletor and Keldor were two different characters. But then he's got blue skin. He's got to be a bad. Guy, I, I know, right? I know, I know. But then I, there was that wink stereotype. That winked at camera. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh dear. And, yeah. and I tell you what, Keldor for me was the highlight purely because William Shatner. Shatner. Yeah. I was concerned when they cast him because I'm like, I love Shatner. I'm a big Trekkie from way back. But the dude is he's pushing 80, right? Like he's he's old and I love him. But he's from a voice acting oh. perspective, he's still got it. He sold Keldor in yep. the the shmami sort of I'm here to rescue Eternia, blah, blah. And then the turn, the heel, ah. Oh, he absolutely stole the show for my and that there's a lot of great performances in that. Um who's Hordak? Kevin Kevin Michael Smith. I forget his name. He's got one of those three names things, but he was wonderful as Hordak as he well. Was, yeah. Michael Duncan Smith. Michael, Michael Duncan. yeah, I, I you, I'll, I'll go with I'm what you said. Random. You're just names. putting three names yeah. together and it, hoping. It, it's not Robert Patrick Duncan, but yeah, Shatner for me stole it. Um, and yeah, wonderful, wonderful acting all around. I thought. Rob, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I have a few. I, you know they got a little bit more economical with their storytelling and the, at the cost of trying to introduce too much, you know, and I think that's probably in their benefit. There's not all these new elements. The net isn't cast super wide. 
It's a good show. It's is it two thumbs up? It's more of a one thumb up for me because I thought it was pretty efficient in their storytelling. I like that it was much more of a Skeletor story than anything else. It focused more on his creative arc and, and what he was going to do and the transformation that uh, he was undergoing. And the fact that they really wove that theme of transformation, dual, duality and dichotomy through the whole thing, like which side are you on and, mm. and the price for picking which side and crossing that threshold was constantly kind of being thrown in our face. Is Adam going to rule with the sword or the scepter? Is he going to be He-Man or Adam? Is it going to be Skeletor or Keldor? Is it going to be Hordak or... You know, is it going to be Skeletor going on its own? So there's this whole idea of the cost of transformation. Even with Tila, is she going to have enough to transform to do the thing that she wants? That said, there is a lot of hokiness and a lot of deus ex. Like, well, we'll just go with it if we do it fast enough in a battle scene. And hopefully nobody will question what they see. Because, you know, everybody knows that if you just stick a sword in the top of Castle Grayskull and turn it 90 degrees, it fixes the world's problem <laughs> that, that that was set up nobody questioned how he-man knew how to do it you know there's uploading in eternia hey if you point your thing at this and upload it with this bluetooth wi-fi link you're the best at bluetooth uploading you can take down these generic techno organic monster giants from eternia's past that we've never heard but it's a really good distraction from the main story to keep things going <laughs> there's just a lot of weird like hodgepodge like what is this color that you're painting us with it's i don't know like the whole tri sorceress kind of quest thing i it's kind of i i, I love that they tried to bring all these different stabs together. Like Eternia's magic is kind of made up from these three or four different things and that you can harness the power of them. But ultimately, like why is Evelyn enough to train Tila to do that? And she doesn't, other than one training sequence, like she's not ready to do this thing. And so mm. like, how am I supposed to be convinced that she's able to do this? And ultimately she's not. And now the power of Grayskull can just be shared with the touch of a finger on anybody as well, mm. you know? And so, like, we have that great line where Battle Cat says to He-Man, you know, you could have just hugged me and I could have turned to Battle Cat <laughs> yeah. instead of pointing your sword at me. Ultimately, Tila had to do nothing. And as long as He-Man, Adam transformed into He-Man while touching Tila, the universe is saved as long as they do it on top of Castle Grayskull and stick the sword in the top and turn it 90 degrees. Mm. Like, honestly, there there's no... They, they didn't do anything to acquire that kind of information. There was no sacrifice made to figure that out. It's just kind of like kind of conveniently done in the heat of the battle. And we just kind of go along with it. So that part for me is kind of a little bit of lazy writing. Uh, everything with Skeletor, on the other hand, like I said, there's a really nice character arc there where he kind of has to confront his past. And we see the kind of dual battle with him as the apprentice to Hordak fighting in the fright zone. That was uh, cool. Fighting that now. was so good. Yeah, it, it was a good use yeah. of the set piece, you know. Like you said, Ben, everything with the Horde justifies any future action figure. You know, we got a nice three to five seconds. It wasn't just a background character yep. uh, or anything like that. So that was cool. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Scareglow is quite the collector. So mm -hmm. If you look behind him in his throne room, he's got all the Eternian antiquities, like the Diamond Ray disappearance, yep. the Masks of yep. Power. They're all in the background now. Why he didn't use any of those to stop He-Man is beyond me. Because because he just a fan, it's cool he's an inbox yeah, yeah. collector. He he's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's got to leave it mid to yeah, box, yeah, right? So yeah. he can't use the Diamond Ray disappearance. Yeah. That would have solved all the problems. But, yeah. And as a Trekkie, right? It's cool to see John Delancey famously voices Q of doing Granamir. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the voice cast is just unparalleled. There's just a lot of 
cool pop culture realms coming together in this one. Like I said, the more you think about what's going on in this show, the more holes in Swiss cheese appears. But overall, it's a fun ride. It's almost like, yes, this is made for us as grownups, but I can feel like a kid again and not question too much and get to the end with a smile on my face. Mm. Yeah, I I think that's very, very fair, Rob. Um, And maybe the price to pay for a shorter run, Mm. um, trying to to fit too much in and you you get stuck and have to get to a conclusion pretty quickly. I, I found some of the dialogue very very i don't know i felt overwritten i felt like you know he talks about it maybe being sort of shakespearean but i just thought sometimes it was a bit hokey a uh, scareglow was saying you know i'm gonna ma- you're gonna marinate in the f- in my fear i'm like <laughs> he's a skeleton i mean when's the last time he sat and marinated a, a meat dish <laughs> right like he's just ripping flesh off the bone he's not gonna talk like that it was just some things took me out like the wording was really odd odd choices of dialogue yeah. that he felt and, and sometimes I'd, I'd be hearing these characters dialoguing with each other and I'd be like it's clearly they're all written by the same person because they just all sound yeah. the same like yeah. the way they speak it's, yeah the voice is identical like nobody is like usually we'd have like one wizard of words in this case yeah. most of it it's Hordak he's pretty subtle he's pretty reserved but when he speaks it's like wow he's speaking eloquent and yes. with a lot of terror and, and, and you know malice in his voice but for then Scareglow to do the same thing and Skeletor yeah, you know, each go on their own kind of monologue. It's like, yeah. okay, well, everybody's yeah. getting their moment to use the thesaurus and, <laughs> yeah. and but, in a Shakespearean artistry way. It's ah, yeah. okay, whatever. But on yeah. that, when Hordak's like, you know, proposing how uh, how many worlds he's beaten and things, Rockon comes to, oh, you know, yeah. I am the saving grace and things like that. He's the champion and, of their world. The champion and, and Hordak's like, you know, well, do you think you're the only champion? Yeah. I, I've, I've met thousands of you. And I just love Rockon's moment. Like he's, you know, forms that new power and he gets all, you know, c- completely rock uh, solid and starts to fight. And you're, you're really cheering him on. You're like, oh, he might have a chance. And that's and when Hordak all the other is not blinking. No, like, he's no. just calm. He's like, yeah. whatever, man. And, then, and that, that's when he gets his other uh, characters to, you know, fight for him. Yeah. Like, I don't do the fighting. You yeah. know? I, I love that. <laughs> that was so cool. That was a bit of a geek it's, out it's moment. It's actually Stonedar, believe oh, it. Oh, sorry. I only yeah. know that because I watched with the subtitles on. Right. Like, oh, well, what happened to Rock on? Where, where is he? So like, he's my favorite of the two. Yeah. He's so different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, blue, not grey. Yeah. That's right. Blue is stronger, right? <laughs> now, red, this, red goes faster. But yeah. This leads to okay. So the the bit I found again, continuity wise, not that I'm giving this too much thought, but I just popped into my head, so I'll share. This was always done as a kind of continuation of the he-man story right so the the idea sorry filmation yes so the idea was filmation kind of ends and we continue on the story now i got a little bit maybe the line is after the 130 episodes of filmation he-man that's the point um do they you know because obviously after that in continuity wise from a filmation point of view shearer gets introduced Mm. so forth but the the sort of twist at the end when hordak is not actually defeated and he's in his like Star Wars-esque uh, hyperbaric chamber getting all healed up, yep. we see Despara or Despera, yep. who in the DC comics is 
the introduction to Shearer. So it's sort of that, it's again, the Force Captain, yep. Adora, but in a more... Well, you they, know, they, they set that up with the flashback sequence where he, right. he goes off with the baby, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, we, we know where this leads. And mm. so anyone who knows their lore wasn't super surprised by that. Despara was a cool, like, use of a, of a character that doesn't yep. come from filmation, but yeah. Yeah, yeah right. so I didn't know if the continuity... Obviously, the continuity doesn't have the Shearer mm. canon anymore, yep. but that's fine. I, I I think if Kevin Smith's approach to that was just to say, look, we're not doing an origin story. We're, yep. we're sort of picking this up at, at a point and we're continuing on from there. But I'm I'm excited by a Despera mm-hmm. story arc. I think leaning into what the comics did well is a nice kind of safe starting point for mm-hmm. Kevin to tell the story. Rather than maybe get going a bit off off kilter like we got in season one, so I was actually genuine. Like at the end of season one, when I saw Motherboard, I was like, eh, you know what? I'm not that excited by where this is going. Mm. The the techno stuff. Yep. At the end of this, I was like, I really, I really like the direction. I love the horde. Yep. And I'd love to see more of Despara. Well, I think the other tease we get, of course, is the the Snake Men. You know, they get a bit of a mention, and I was waiting for like some sort of King Hiss appearance to sort of come up. But, you know, just having uh, the green goddess with her snake staff and that, that's enough of a tease. I think, you know, to have Hordak a second time as great as they were in this, I think that's a bit of a, okay, the the same bad guys come back again. Like, I think, personally, if it was me, you've got a bit of a soft introduction for the snake men. Shearer versus the snake men. Haven't seen that before. Let's Mm. do that. And we've got Kildor. So Skeletor is now... Back in Keldor form, he's got a, a full fleshy face again. That that was right in the end. Yeah, I, he's I in the believe dungeon. so. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's potentially mm. a um, a redemption arc here, which would be quite an interesting well, way it, to play it. It mm. would be cool if uh, Keldor and He Man team up to fight this the Just Snake yeah. Men. Yeah, because they're more in my eyes ancient, you know, yes, than the um, evil, yeah. you know than uh, Skeletor and everyone. So. Mm. What do you think, Rob? What, where would you like to see it go next? Or you do you like even want to? Do you want a season three? The yeah. space in the space and forces or something. Cosmic well, enforcers. Yeah, Cosmic. No, it's uh, it's going to happen. There's going to be another five episodes. You don't animate two minutes of footage like that just to leave it on a cliffhanger. I mean, we've seen pop culture examples where, you know, it has been left, but there's no way that they're not going to bring it back. And I think there's just a lot of push to keep watching, keep watching. If you want to. You know, another five episodes, you better keep watching. Mm. Just like you better buy these toys or we're not going to make any more. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna do it because the cost of doing animation, you have to amortize across, you know, 10 episodes to make it kind of worthwhile. They're not going to create those, you know, Spara sketches and imagery and all and all that stuff unless they're going to use it uh, later to make it worthwhile. I, I would, of course, I'm on board for whatever. I, why would I not want to watch more stuff? You know, and if they're going to use the comic lore as a backbone for script writing, you know, whether that makes fans feel better or not so that they know what they're getting. Sure. I mean, DC has a great long history of turning their graphic novels into animated standalone films. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see, you know, more one-off episodes, you know, now that we've seen this big revolution and this revelation of a new kind of era of He-Man, you know, the, the ending of the filmation series and taking birth, uh, give me what happens after now that the power has changed and the way that in Transformers, we got to live with Rodimus Prime, you know, kind of trying to take up the mantle of, mm. of Optimus and not being the same leader that he is. That's what I feel very much was going to happen 
uh, with, with He-Man here and Adam trying to be the king that his father was and not being able to fill those shoes. Instead, we got the power of democracy as the big hero. <laughs> that was that was lame. It's like, yeah. the real power is in the people. You get to choose. The fans. I mean, the citizens of eternity. <laughs> you get to choose what to do next. So um, that's what I would like to see. Just kind of more breathable moments, more like single episodes that could kind of cater to unique themes with a with the bit of that kind of a storyline just kind of strung through a little bit until yeah. the end of it where it can kind of culminate so we just get little puzzle pieces that slowly build while we're still you know doing some world building some character building and picking up the pieces of this revolution <laughs> very good i yeah. like i like well, it's, well, they should yeah. hire rob i, I think <laughs> they uh, he hasn't got uh, much yeah. going on He's no that's plenty, right plenty slot in slot in uh, assistant <laughs> Uh, assistant producer or something into the into your repertoire there, Rob, as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. How are we going for time, Frank? You, yeah. uh, I, I know Rob is a busy man. And I don't want to keep him beyond the hour. Yeah, but it's uh, it's pretty. Well, I was going to say it's late for us. It's early for you. You're on what looks like to be straight vodka from the, the bottle <laughs> I saw earlier, Rob. Like that's, that's how you start your day. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so so Rob. As we let you go, for the audience, do you just want to shout out the best place to find what you're doing? Because you're doing amazing work. How can they? How can they join uh, the Rob McCallum train and get on board? Yeah, the simplest thing to do is probably just follow me on my socials. So on X or Twitter or whatever symbol it's going to be called next, it's uh, <laughs> at Rob McZob, R O B M C Z O B. Uh, it's also the same thing on, on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook as well, but uh, I seem to be a little bit more active socially and interact with people on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, you know, just follow what's going on. The the big news that I can share officially is that Planet Cool Stuff Season 1 is going to be released worldwide May 1st, uh, kind of on all your favorite streaming platforms. So it should be on Tubi. It should be on Amazon Prime. It, sh- it should be on YouTube free with ads. Uh, plus a bunch of the other kind of niche, uh, interesting uh, platforms. So if you're looking forward to Planet Cool Stuff Season 1, especially based on our chat today, and you like video games, comics, toys, and everything in between, then then check that out. And, you know, the response so far has been really great for me and really, um, really humbling that you guys, especially you guys, <clears throat> sorry, that you guys in particular like Planet Cool Stuff, that without a green light, I've, I've pushed forward on season two while the broadcaster decides if it makes sense for them because mm-hmm. I, I've had so much fun making it that it's so diverse. I've already recorded six episodes of myself, like six segments, uh, very much like the Dick Tracy and Batman stuff. So those are in the can. We've got probably another two episodes worth of kind of full content that we filmed on this trip alone. And there's a lot of plans to, to explore some more other stuff. So yeah. please take interest in Planet Cool Stuff so that we can get the green light on season two. And uh, that'll come to you hopefully within the year as well. And then, of course, N64 Quest drops this fall as well. So 13 episodes of that, uh, which is exciting. And Planet Cool Stuff, I will say, is the first time we've been able to do a 13-episode series, which is a really big kind of milestone for us. We've been limited to 6 and 10 in the past. And for the broadcaster kind of say, no, give us three more because the audience is there, um, is, is a big deal. It's a big creative leap for us. And it's a lot of work to create three more episodes than it sounds like. So just a question on that. I wanted to ask this to you. Um, 
famously back in the, I think it was early 2000s, Corn followed the leader, started their track listing at uh, track 13 and went up to 26 or something because they didn't want to end the uh, run on 13. Why 13 episodes? Why not 12? Why not 14? <laughs> you know? It's, uh, it goes with programming. Right. Uh, schedules and weeks so saturday morning would always get 13 episodes as well because there'd be 13 weeks until christmas traditionally Uh, september october november or you know late september and it would take you to just before christmas and that would be kind of like season one and then usually they would re-air stuff and then get another six episodes for season two and rinse and repeat uh that's why drama shows usually uh traditionally in the past have been 26 episodes or 22 because you get 11 before christmas and 11 after christmas and then the summer break there you go. Um, it's all kind of been thrown out the window with streaming yeah. and yeah, uh, yeah. content yep. that's gone six, eight, ten. Yeah. Uh, the British uh, stuff has always been six episodes yep. a season. Yep. They've always done that. Um, so there really is no hard and fast rule. Uh, the the real big thing is when you can get to a hundred episodes, you can do syndication. Yeah. And that's because you can have basically a new episode every week for two years, and nobody would know it. It'd always be fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Planet Australia, cool stuff. Season three, how's that looking? <laughs> I'd love to come down to Radelaide and do some filming. Yeah, yeah. sweet. We got some cool toy rooms to uh, showcase. <laughs> well, this, there's uh... a bit of pressure. I mean, those toy rooms are ex- yeah. exceptional. Yeah. yeah, right. They are of a quality that is blowing my mind. So, saying a lot. Did you uh, guys watch all the episodes, or how far did did you get? I'm curious. I, I got I got up to uh, the Justin Curry, Justice Curry. Sorry, uh, the um. PowerCon episode, PowerCon. yeah. So I, I'm about that's six good. episodes in, uh, but that's just you know my work life balance is poor at the moment, so yeah. uh, um, that's how far. But I'm I'm super keen to continue on, and uh, even more hyped to hear that uh, season two is yeah. uh, greenlit, and um, yeah, just cannot wait because huge advocate of what I've seen so far. So well done. I got up to cool. season four, sorry, episode four, where... Season four? Yeah. Season four. Well, you haven't eaten yeah, Return to Australia. <laughs> living in the future. So, I didn't know what Greenlit two seasons really. <laughs> you got your work cut out for you, Rob. Four seasons. Well, uh, I hope they're good. <laughs> episode four, where you did the indie gaming session, goosing with your young fella. That was, oh, that was yes. amazing. Yes. Harrison, yeah, that's yes. fantastic. That's my son. That's yeah. my son that was doing that. So you got to see him... Do some video he's very good he speaks yeah. very well i loved his like in-game commentary um and just i i would have loved to see him do the the mine level just trying to you know get the mines <laughs> that'd be lovely he's uh what i what i like to do he's got a few more segments where you see him game he plays castlevania and he go he goes through a bunch of the different turtle games and it's just fun to see kids react to that stuff that we grew up and take for granted right yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's uh it's it's Castlevania is, is maybe my favorite. I think it's the last segment of the entire show in, in season one, and it's just he's just like, why is it so bloody? It's like, oh, I don't like this at all. <laughs> this is a Genesis game. I thought Genesis games were better than this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, who's telling you how to say this stuff? Yeah, <laughs> that is. Brilliant. He's like, oh, the, this game's not very good. I said, oh, the game's not very good, and he just kind of shoots a look at me. He goes, Dad. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for joining us on Toy Power. It is always lovely. Contrary to the legal documentation that's been going to and fro, (laughs) now, always lovely to have you on the show, and you're always welcome back. We love chatting. So you've got the, uh, what is it, the golden ticket or the the key to the city, key key to the Toy Power city. Key to Adelaide. Yeah. Yep. 
I got the scepter, yeah. the, uh, the the toy scepter to come back. <laughs> it's been merged. No one knows. Them, yeah. No one knows how we merged it. It's a plot hole, but it's it's <laughs> one big scepter. And it's yours. Stick and then we're gonna it in and turn it. <laughs> shove it in the counterclockwise and then turn it. Yeah. <laughs> how many times do you? The been? next action figures you guys get gotta have that. Stick something in. How many times is this on toy power for you, Rob? You what? Three, four, five times. Uh, well, I've tried to get on about fifteen, but they've only let me on for, I think three or four. Times. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's I, I think, be honestly, the, the genesis of Planet Cool stuff was just to have another reason to get on. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. Okay, so we did spawn a TV show oh, after all that trying. Oh, I love yeah. it. We've there just got go. to make it ourselves onto the actual TV show. <laughs> yeah, 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 wonderful, wonderful. All right, thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Rob. Brilliant. Um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning into another episode of Toy Power. And to all our patrons, thank you for your ongoing support and chatter on the Discord. Stay safe, everyone. Look after one another. No jostling around those toy aisles. Just get the dollies into your basket (laughs) and don't worry about the uh, the pre-orders anymore. Is this a toy aisle at your place we're talking about? Oh, you can jostle there. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You can jostle in my toy aisle. That sounded way worse than you intended no, it to be. No. <laughs> Take care, and until next time. And until oh. next time. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, We're keeping that. Uh, We're staying in. in the of usual <laughs> You've been on the show Facebook before. Yeah. <laughs> I, as I said it, I'm like, I know what's Twitter coming next. <laughs> or have your say and email us. <laughs> Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show on both iTunes and Stitcher. And please leave us a review. Otherwise, we just assume we're awesome.